It's also easy for those who have basically lived in a protective bubble, which is about to be popped here in the U.S. and certain other areas of the world where we've lived lives of comfort. We've lived lives of ease and security. It's real easy for us to sit here and demand a ceasefire from a nation that daily lives with the reality of missile strikes and vicious terror attacks on its citizens because they're surrounded by people and nations whose sole reason for living and breathing are to destroy them. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, yes you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. One Little Candle is a member of the Christian Podcast Community. So visit christianpodcastcommunity.org for more doctrinally sound podcasts such as these. Ever wish you could get together with a friend over coffee each week and talk about God's Word? Me too. Hi, I'm Anthony Russo. I'm the host of Grace and Peace Radio. Grace and Peace Radio is a Christian living blog and podcast dedicated to engaging conversations about applying God's Word to everyday life. I hope you'll join me, Anthony Russo, on Grace and Peace Radio each week at graceandpeaceradio.com or right here on the christianpodcastcommunity.org. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. That's christianpodcastcommunity.org. Hi, everyone. How are you today? I know it has been a while since I have dropped an episode. Um, Please forgive me for that. My sincerest apologies for those of you who do follow me regularly. But yeah, um, I have let life get in the way (laughs) again. But um, anyway, I am still, as you can tell by the title of my episode, um, Still talking about Israel. Why am I still talking about Israel? Why haven't I not finished those two last episodes of Solbum? Which, yeah, they're going to get put out as well. But look, there's a war going on, as we all know. But there's also a PR war, a public relations war. And that is a very important part right now of this war against evil. Good versus evil. The war that's defending humanity. And so we all have a part to play in it. 
And I am doing what I feel is my part, putting out there what I can to the best of my ability, the best of my uh, knowledge of the situation through people that I trust for accurate information, through people that I know in Israel, through other Christians as well um, who, who know about Israel and all the things that I am learning because we are fighting against a terrorist PR organization as well. And so this this battlefront is very important too because there is a, a big push to manipulate public opinion against not just Israel, but against Jews. I'm sure many of you have heard and seen the very, very disturbing footage of the anti-Semitism that has reared its ugly head big time within not just this nation of America, but the world. So that is why I am still continuing talking about Israel, reaching the people that I can that are within my bandwidth, my, my community, with information that I have that I feel is pertinent to share. Some of it may be repeated from uh, the previous two or three episodes, but I think it's very important nonetheless. Um, And of course, new information as well. So yes, that is why I am still talking about Israel because it is affecting our world. It is affecting us. It affects us as Christians. It's affecting the church. It's affecting communities. It's affecting homes and families. So that is why. All right. Anyway, I hope that you are doing well. Whatever's going on in your corner of the world besides this, this ugly battle here, I I pray that you are drawing ever closer to God. I pray that your Bible's open a lot. I pray that you're in constant prayer, not just on behalf of yourself, but on behalf of others as well. And of course, all that goes along with giving thanks and worshiping the very good God that we have, no matter what's going on in this world of chaos and turmoil. So I I pray that that is where life finds you, my friend. But here I am continuing with the subject of Israel, because I read a post on Instagram. Um, Actually, a few weeks ago, I uh, wrote a blog post about it on my One Little Candle podcast website. You can read it there at onelittlecandlepodcast.com. But I just thought in addition to that, I'm going to go ahead and um, talk about it as well on One Little Candle podcast because I read a post on Instagram from a Christian about the war in Israel. And when I read it, I thought... I have to respond to this because I just, while I could understand where the person was coming from, I also disagreed with a lot. And also, you know, the the church is divided enough. And of course, since October 7th, there is even more division within the church when it comes to Israel. Because there are uh, some, if not many, within the church that believe um, that the Jewish state of Israel, that Jewish nation really has no connection to biblical Israel, that, that it does not in fact belong to the Jewish people still, and that it somehow Israel has been replaced by the church, that the promises God made to Israel are now for the church and the church alone because of the Jewish people's rejection of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But that would mean that God's broken his eternal covenant. If you can't trust him to keep that covenant, which he said he he would, 
well, what's to say that we, he's going to keep the covenant with, with us, right? Our, our salvation, um, the atonement for our sins by Jesus' death on the cross and, and his resurrection. So not all of the church loves Israel or the Jewish people. They don't. And you can hear anti-Semitic rhetoric, unfortunately, coming out of those who, who claim the name of Christ. So this, this belief is called um, replacement theology. But we're also, as a church, divided on Israel's response to the massacres on October 7th. So, yeah, there's some rising division. And, and of course, all the anti-Semitism, which has really reared its ugly head and has, I don't know about you, but it has totally shocked me. You know, I, I don't know why, because, you know, I feel like October 7th, the atrocities of October 7th, the war that Israel is engaged in against evil, really was an awakening or should be an awakening for us. I, I really believe God uses things to expose what's around us even more so um, to make it a little more obvious. And and I, you know, I'd heard about anti-Semitism. I think I may have mentioned this even before. I'd heard before that anti-Semitism was on the rise, but I had never particularly witnessed any of it, or I, I didn't, I don't know, I, I knew there was some incidents here and there, but since October 7th, wow, wow, people are just rising up against the Jews, rising up against Israel, and you think, why, right, why, what have they done? Well, we we have to remember it's spiritual, okay? We're in a very spiritually dark time, and the depraved mindset has really taken hold in society as a whole, and Satan is really short on time, and so, as I've said before, he is pulling out all the stops. And so this this hatred of the Jewish people, remember, our Lord and Savior was Jewish. Um, Judaism, the Jews are the roots of our faith. We have been privileged to be grafted in as believers with God's chosen people. And that that is our root. We are the branches. Uh, Romans 11, in particular, 11 through 24. Paul compares here Israel to the natural branches of a cultivated olive tree. And the Gentile believers, that would be those of us who are not Jewish, we, were, we belong to the branches of a, a, a wild olive tree. And so God, because of Israel's unbelief, their denial of Jesus as the Messiah, some of these natural branches were broken off. And the wild branches, we Gentiles, were grafted in. And at that point, we also are partakers of the promises and we inherit the blessings of God's salvation, which was originally promised for the Jewish people and the Jewish people alone. Now, this, this does not mean that God is completely done with Israel. Israel is, you know, never going to recover. God, God is done with them. Um, and actually, if you'd like to learn more about those subjects, you look within the Christian podcast community, 
christianpodcastcommunity.org, you will find podcasts that deal with this very subject. So check them out at christianpodcastcommunity.org. But no, God isn't done with Israel. They've temporarily um, lost the privilege of representing God. Right now, the church does. And so the believing Gentiles, believing Jews are all part of the cultivated olive tree. But this is why, you know, Israel is so important to us as Christians, because it is, again, the roots of our faith there. You know, everything in the Bible that we read about in our beloved Bible, God's word to us, it was carried out in Israel as well. And so we do have a a connection with the Jewish people. I feel we do. Even the unbelieving Jews, you know, we have your Messianic Jews who do believe and we have your, your, um, Orthodox Jews who, who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he is the, the prophesied Messiah. And so, you know, it, it all goes back to God. And of course, Satan hates God. And so, yes, this anti-Semitism is in fact demonic in nature. So reason, objectivity, and truth don't really come into play with those who have that mindset. Uh, when you see people pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine, it's really just Jew hatred. That That's what it comes down to. And right behind that, you will find, in fact, Christian hatred. But anyway, back to this, this post. But yeah, all eyes are on Israel as a nation. Now, Israel is just a tiny nation about the size of, I think, New Jersey, But all eyes are on Israel as they courageously wage war on terror. And as predicted, once Israel started fighting back and the um, casualties started to mount, Israel all of a sudden is becoming the bad guy in the eyes of many who are, well, many are operating in hate and ignorance. Not all of them, but um, a lot of people are. There are also some good-willed people, as the author of the Instagram post that I'm addressing, who um, are beginning to view Israel as the bully or, or the bad guy due to their response. Yes, Israel has become the bad guy now that they are hitting back. One day Israel was a victim, the next they are oppressors, okay? That's our world, right? So what you could say we're kind of dealing with right now is something called moral equivalence. What what people are saying is um, really Israel's defensive actions, because they are on the defense right now, still due to October 7th, they're defending their right to their own land. They're defending their right to exist. So yes, we, we have a part of the world that believes that the defensive actions of Israel, um, are as bad <laughs> as the offensive actions of Hamas on October 7th, that both are equally unjustified. But um, there is no moral comparison here in any way, shape, or form. But this moral equivalence mindset that has, as predicted, taken place is resulting in increasing calls for a ceasefire on Israel's part. So one such call that I saw on Instagram had caught my attention. And as I said, it was from someone in the Christian community. And the post reads as follows. 
It says, I fully support Israel's right to exist peacefully in their land. I fully support their sovereignty to defend themselves and their people after the horrific attacks by Hamas. And it is totally justified that they have taken strong action in response. But in seeing how insane the death toll on Palestinians has become, maybe 10,000 plus thousands of children, civilians, there has to come a point where a higher sense of humanity and justice emerges. Again, it is understandable, after the barbaric attack from Hamas on Israel's citizens, over 1,000 killed, innocent civilians that Israel's leaders and the citizens would cry out for justice and recompense, for the blood of Hamas to run on the streets of Gaza. Then the author asks, but at what point will we say it is enough? At what point do we say it's time to hold ourselves to a higher ethic than our enemies and in defending ourselves not lose our own souls? Violence begets more violence. At this point, with the degree of loss and utter devastation, the next generation of violence has all but been guaranteed, she says. One thing that is clear is how true it is that man's justice fails and it is only a hope of justice from the skies in the nail-pierced hands of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, that there is any real hope to be found. And then the author of the post ended it with hashtag ceasefire. And so my response is this. I can certainly understand this author's concerns. Absolutely. What is happening in Israel and Gaza is uh, tragic, to say the least. But <laughs> I think there are some things that we should consider, perhaps, before participating in the call for a ceasefire. Let's start with the number of deaths in Gaza, which the author quoted as being over 10,000. Now, these numbers that were, and I know it's, beyond that now, because this was a few weeks ago that I read this post and responded to it in my blog. But these numbers that we are being fed are from the Gaza Health Ministry, which is an organization of Hamas. Remember, Hamas is not a militant group, not freedom fighters, okay? They are a terrorist organization. They're cold-blooded terrorists. First of all, Hamas doesn't differentiate between the terrorist death toll or the civilian death toll, okay? They, they lump them all in. Also, some of the deaths over there, they've actually happened at the hands of Hamas and not Israel. But of course, they're not going to disclose that to the public now, are they? Because the fact is this. Hamas is a well-oiled propaganda machine that has fought long and hard to try to manipulate the world and the media into hating Israel, all right? And as a matter of fact, I just got done with a webinar today from um, a, a, an expert in communications. As a matter of fact, he has studied terrorist organizations and their social media and websites for years. And it was about the PR war, the public relations war, what's, what Hamas is doing versus what Israel's doing and what Israel could possibly be doing better. Because Hamas is, like I said, they're a well-oiled propaganda machine. 
And I think they've been online since 1998. But they're trying to manipulate the world and the media into hating Israel. So as far as those numbers are concerned, the death count, the toll, we can probably safely surmise that the numbers are inflated. Murderous terrorist organizations like Hamas don't tend to be honest. All right. Um, Not only that, they in Gaza are known for or have been caught staging fake death scenes. I don't know if any of you have heard of Pallywood that comes out of there. But that's what it's been dubbed over there for quite some time as Pallywood. Um, they stage death scenes and then they place the blame on Israel. And there's documented proof of the staging of these death scenes on video. Not only in this war, are they this war are they doing it, but they've done it involving previous incidents as well. And they also use video footage. They use images from other tragedies that actually occurred in different parts of the world and at different times. And then they apply it to the current war. But hey, again, what would you expect from a terrorist, right? But anyway, these these attempts at manipulation of public opinion, they have been debunked with documented proof. Of course, the problem is there's there's such hatred, again, of demonic nature that many who see it refuse to believe it. They refuse to believe, even though they've seen the atrocities that, that happened on October 7th, and they still say prove it. <laughs> even though the terrorist organi- organization they're supporting, the videos came from them themselves. But again, prove it. <laughs> so if... Okay, if upwards of 10,000 have been killed, well, given the, the amount of people in Gaza, we're talking in the millions. Okay, here, here are some numbers. This set of numbers is from the Jewish Virtual Library, which I have referred you to before regarding other things. But it says that um, there were, for the West Bank, 2,688,900, and for the Gaza Strip, 1,980,000. The U.S. government estimates the total Palestinian population at 3 million in the West Bank and 2 million in the Gaza Strip. This is around mid-year of 2022. So over 10,000, well, that's probably a pretty low number given um, the population and given the fact that Hamas goes out of their way to put civilians in harm's way. If 10,000 plus are accurate numbers, I'd say it looks as though Israel's defense forces are truly being careful of whom they're targeting, Uh, terrorists rather than civilians. Although we have to keep in mind that the terrorists dress as civilians. So let's talk about the civilians because you're hearing all the time, as is as in this post. But what about the civilians? Oh, those poor innocent civilians, the innocent civilians in Gaza, because now Israel is the the Goliath, um, the bully, because they're now hitting back, right? But but about the civilians, I, you know, I used to think that most of the civilians in Gaza were probably quote-unquote innocent. And when I say innocent, I'm thinking that if you're innocent, 
that you're against what Hamas did, that you are not, in fact, a Jew hater or a hater of Israel, not cheering and celebrating whenever Israelis are killed. But that's what the citizens of Gaza do. That's what many of the um, Muslims and Arabs who live peacefully within Israel's borders do whenever there's a terrorist attack on an Israeli. Actually, Hamas and the Palestinian civilians as well refer to what we call a terrorist attack. They refer to as an operation. So whenever there's an operation carried out against Israel, there are celebrations in the homes and in the streets of Gaza. Okay, so I'm sure there's probably a number of innocent civilians there. Um, I have seen some speaking out. Not very many, I got to tell you, but I have seen a couple speak out and share the truth of what is actually happening and what is going on. And one, God bless her, uh, you know, an elderly woman, a Palestinian, and she told, which we already know, but she was upset and complaining about the fact that Hamas is stealing everything that's for them, you know, food, uh, emergency supplies, medical supplies, water, you name it. Hamas takes it and uses it for themselves. It all, as she said, goes into the tunnels. Yeah. So I'm sure there are some innocent civilians there, but I got to tell you, I, it's not like I thought it was. It, it really isn't. Because the fact of the matter is there are a large number, a large number who share Hamas's hatred for Israel. That's the majority of them do. They want the annihilation of Israel. They want the annihilation of the Jewish Jewish people. As a matter of fact, I'll leave the link for you on my website in the um, show notes. But there was a recent survey, and I don't think this is the only survey. It was from AWRAD. It's a public opinion poll. And AWRAD stands for the Arab World for Research and Development. And... It showed that the majority of them approve of Hamas's atrocities and they would support Hamas staying in power. All right. These are the people that put Hamas in. Why did they, why, I, I thought to myself, why would, back in 2005 when Israel handed over their land, by the way, to the Palestinians, they handed Gaza over, they forcibly removed their own people there. Why would the Palestinians turn around and vote in Hamas, bring in Hamas. But then I thought, well, hello, if they're Jew haters, if they're Israel haters, and Hamas openly declares what their mission is, that's to annihilate Israel, to wipe it off the face of the map, to kill all the Jews. Well, they put someone in there, I believe, who felt the same way that they do and who would do the dirty work for them, perhaps. I don't know. Anyway, my opinion. But yes, the majority of the Muslims and Arabs over there, the people of Gaza, they approve of what Hamas did on October 7th. And perhaps we should also be asking ourselves when it comes to the citizens or whether or not they're what we would call innocent. We need to ask ourselves why it is that many Arabs and Palestinians celebrate whenever there's a terror attack by passing out candy in the streets and shooting off fireworks. Why is that? What about the footage that Hamas 
posted of the civilians in Gaza celebrating and cheering as hostages were being paraded through the streets. Did people see the footage of the Israeli hostages in the back of the truck being beaten on with boards and the people taking pictures with their cell phones and cheering? There was a huge crowd of people flooding the streets, thrilled with what they were seeing. Also, the footage of the citizens of Gaza, your, your ordinary citizens, men, women, teenagers, um, flooding the kibbutz and looting it on October 7th, okay? Participating in um, the horrors of October 7th. Now, could they be doing it due to the threat of Hamas? Perhaps, right? But again, I think, as I just mentioned, explain to me, please explain to me why a number of the Palestinians and Arabs that dwell comfortably and safely in Israel also celebrate whenever an attack occurs. And they did this on October 7th as well. I know people who live there and they they heard the celebrations themselves right within their own neighborhoods. So, yes. But, you know, this hatred of the Palestinians towards Jews, you know, it doesn't just come from the adults. Their children also bear that hatred within their hearts. And to me, this in and of itself is, is one of the, the biggest tragedies of all this. Because many of these children, having been indoctrinated in the schools as young as five years old, guys, look, these children are future terrorists. Many of them, future terrorists. The lives of these children, their, their innocence, their childhood, it has already been stripped away by Hamas. Look, Hamas has been in power for over 18 years now. They've had a lot of time to indoctrinate an entire generation, and that they have. That they have. One of the sons, he's known as the son of Hamas, one of the sons of Hamas's founders, Mossab Hassan Youssef, he testifies to this. I myself have listened to enough Palestinian children tell of their desire to make war with the Jews and defeat them, to stab a Jew and run over them with a car, and a lot of other disturbing comments, and it left me heartbroken. And these are children, they were sharing how they were taught this at their UNRWA school. UNRWA, by the way, stands for United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees in the Near East. Did you hear that? United Nations. It's a UN-funded school. reason why they call UN United nothing. But anyway, um, yes, <laughs> the children too, unfortunately, have been indoctrinated to hate Jews. But then um, the author of the Instagram post has said this, There's come, there has to come a point where a higher sense of humanity and justice emerges. And she said also, it's time to hold ourselves to a higher ethic than our enemies. All right, let's, let's, let's take a look at that here because in my opinion, the higher sense of ethics, the higher sense of humanity and justice, that began on day one. It began on October 7th. I say this because in the days that preceded the ground invasion into Gaza, 
we witnessed Israel trying for days on end to warn the Palestinians to flee to safety. All right. They let them know where they would be bombing, where they would be. They dropped leaflets. They did everything they could. They designated a safe area to get people out of harm's way. Many people who hated them and would just as soon see them dead. And they also did this, by the way, knowing that Hamas would also be benefiting from the time that Israel was granting to the citizens of Gaza to get out of the way. All right. That's, to me, pretty ethical, pretty humane. But unfortunately, Hamas, in an effort to ensure as many casualties as possible, like I said, they are a well-oiled propaganda machine. They blocked roads. They threatened the citizens. And in some cases, they shot them down. There's, again, there's the footage. They shot them down in cold blood so they couldn't leave. They want the civilians in harm's way. They want the civilians in harm's way so that the press and the international community, repulsed by bloodshed, we all are, would lose sight of what this fight is for and then begin to demand a ceasefire like the author of the Instagram post that I'm responding to right now. What about, um, as far as higher sense of ethics, humanity, and justice, what about the fact that Israel's been getting fuel to the hospitals in Gaza, allowing humanitarian aid to come in? Isn't that a higher sense of ethics, humanity, and justice? Unfortunately, Hamas took the fuel um, and I saw a terrified and grieving nurse working at one of the hospitals in Gaza's war zone. She shared this while on the job at the hospital, off in the corner. She And she broke down. I, I, my heart just went out to this woman. She broke down and she told of how she had to reset the fracture of a five-year-old boy without morphine because Hamas took that too. Yeah, so just terrible. Okay, Another one, what about Israel granting a daily time slot for a ceasefire to allow time for civilians to move to a safer area recently? They did that as well. Again, this benefits Hamas as well to further entrench, <laughs> gain some composure, whatever. Because unfortunately, Israel um, is under a lot of pressure to conduct a justified war response against terror, but they have the world that expects more of them than they would Hamas, of course. But in that expecting more of them, because no, we know they are humane. Um, unfortunately, they're also kind of keeping them from doing what they really need to do at, at the same time. But, but yes, they allowed a daily time slot for a ceasefire. And they also, the IDF brought in incubators for babies at a hospital in Gaza. Isn't that a sense of higher ethics, humanity, and justice? I could go on and on and on, okay? Actually, there was a video yesterday. <laughs> a four-year-old girl, okay, 2 a.m., IDF soldiers noticed some suspicious movements in the horizon in Gaza, 2 o'clock in the morning. And so the IDF waited to see what the movement was and what they discovered to their horror was that it was a child it was a four-year-old girl. This four-year-old girl was walking around aimlessly. She was without shoes, and she had multiple wounds. So what do the IDF soldiers do? They take her to the field doctor. They treat her wounds, and they help her in every way that they could. 
And then after they treated her, they brought her to the humanitarian corridor so that they could try to locate her family and care for her. But it turned out, and they did return her to her family, but it turned out the child was sent by Hamas, okay? Hamas sends this four-year-old girl into the heart of a war zone to see if the Israeli soldiers were up and alert. That is the cruelty of Hamas. That's footage I saw through Amir Sarfati and Hanani Naftali on Telegram. That's not something that you would find the mainstream media sharing. But the time and care that the IDF showed that poor little girl, wasn't that practicing a higher sense of humanity and justice? Let's face it, had Hamas or I think any one of the Palestinians seen a child there and they realized it was a Jewish child or an Israeli child, that child would have suffered a terrible, terrible fate, would have been kidnapped uh, or tortured, murdered, any, you know, all of the above. So yeah, Israel has practiced that higher sense even throughout this war. And I personally would even go so far as to say the fact that they are fighting this war, everything Israel has been doing, even though it has caused civilian casualties, is in fact operating. Um, this war itself is a matter of a sense of higher humanity and justice. When, when you're fighting back against an evil, bloody entity such as Hamas, that is operating on a higher sense of humanity and justice. They're fighting for humanity and justice, actually. I mean, to just have sat there and not uh, hit back on behalf of its citizens, okay? If Israel just let it go after all that carnage, and again, it wasn't just on October 7th. They've been going through this for years, and not even just from Hamas. Let's not forget the fact that they have the Houthis, they have Hezbollah. They're being attacked from all sides, but we're, I'm focusing on Hamas, the particular war in Gaza right now, even though there are, again, there's wars on their other borders as well. But for Israel to have just sat there and not hit back on behalf of its citizens, as the saying goes, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Okay. To not be doing what they're doing now in Gaza would have been a slap in the face of humanity and justice. So as far as the civilian casualties go, short of the IDF being able to line up innocent civilians, all right? Okay, innocent civilians on the left, please. Uh, Hamas on the right. Okay, we're going to just target the ones on the right. <laughs> well, we know that's impossible. That's not going to happen, right? They're not going to be able to line up who's, who's good and who's evil on the left and the right. And then just target the, the terrorists instead of the civilians. Oh, did I mention that Hamas dresses as civilians? Sarcasm there. But seriously, what are they supposed to do? What is the IDF supposed to do? Historically, right, let's look back a little bit. Historically, Israel, they've always responded to the minimum. They have tried. I mean, there was a ceasefire on October 7th, Hamas broke it, first of all. Let's not forget that. But historically, Israel has always responded to the minimum. They have practiced restraint. 
in spite of years of terror attacks on them, missiles being bombarded at them, (laughs) Um, people being run over, stabbed, shot in their streets. They've always responded to the minimum and exercised restraint. So what has the end result been? Well, fast forward to October 7th. Now you have a stronger, more hateful, emboldened, brazen, bloodthirsty Hamas. That's where all the restraint, that's what it, that's what it got them. A Hamas that resulted in the kidnappings, the raping, the torture, the butchering of men, women, and children in Israel. Let's not forget Babies were hung in the doorways. One was burned alive in an oven. Okay, burned alive in an oven. Just imagine for a second, someone taking your child or your grandchild and putting them in your oven and turning it up on high. All right, they did this. And the terrorists tied up the father. And they raped the baby's mother while the father slash husband had to watch, and their baby was burning alive in an oven. They did this before shooting them both in cold blood. What about the pregnant woman whose womb was ripped open and then her baby killed before the terrorists killed her? Am I being too graphic? Good. Good. Because these are the things that we must never forget, and I feel like much of the world has not all of it, thank God, but enough of it that's, that it's disturbing. You know, they've forgotten the barbaric, inhumane, demonic savagery inflicted upon the Israelis at the hands of Hamas. <laughs> Some have forgotten. Others just don't care. But just stuff that was unfathomable. I know a lot of people, you know, had watched some of the journalists and the press watch some of the footage. They, they couldn't. They couldn't be in there. They had to leave. They couldn't stomach it. Some of the footage, by the way, from what the terrorists themselves filmed. Um, that bad. But now, Israel is the problem. And, oh, the poor Gazans. So why do, why do they think like that, right? Why does our world think like that? Well, for them, you know, they believe the lie that Israel oppresses <laughs> the people of, of Gaza even though they actually benefited from them greatly, but they they don't have, thanks to the public schools and the universities, they don't have a proper education on the history of Israel, the geography of it all. Um, they're very uneducated. And so this victim mentality, you know, when Israel starts striking back, and then you get the, the again, well-oiled propaganda machine of Hamas to make it look as though the Palestinians are all the victims now, well... That's what speaks to our, our woke, our people who have a woke mindset, okay? Because everyone somehow is a victim, unless you're white, then you're not a victim. You're just an oppressor. And if you're a Jew, apparently you're not a victim either. You're an oppressor. But again, this is all because of ignorance and lack of education on the facts on history. And, you know, also many people think that Israel's response is all about revenge. And although the author of this post didn't directly say it, I think that they too feel that Israel's response is all about revenge. But you know what? It's not. 
It's about protecting the nation from further attacks like the one they just experienced. Because they know, and we should all know, that Hamas is determined to keep up with this kind of stuff. This isn't a one-and-done attack. Hardly. It's a matter of survival. You know, and it's also about protecting the rest of the world because they're starting with the Jewish people and Israel, but guess what? They want to rule the world. They want to infiltrate other nations. And, well, we've seen how they've done it, and they're doing it. They're all coming out of the woodwork now, and it ain't pretty. You know, I've said this many times before, folks. Here in the U.S., we have many terrorists within our own country, terror cells. The FBI is warning us about it. As they said, red lights everywhere all at once. Um, We had that issue before, but now we really, really have it because of our wide open borders. So I'll say it again. We too will soon be experiencing terror at the hands of terrorists. Israel's war is our war as well. This war is in fact about humanity. It's about defending humanity. I'm not going to deny it. There will be victims of this war, and it will include innocent men, women, and children. It will. Tragically, in war, innocent people are often caught in the crossfire. They become the casualties of war. Now, am I saying that it doesn't grieve me that innocent people are caught in the crossfire? Of course not. Of course not. Is it easy for me to say this because neither me or my loved ones are currently living in a war zone? Perhaps, yeah, maybe. But it's also easy for those who have basically lived in a protective bubble, which is about to be popped here in the U.S. and certain other areas of the world where we've lived lives of comfort, we've lived lives of ease and security. It's real easy for us to sit here and demand a ceasefire from a nation that daily lives with the reality of missile strikes and vicious terror attacks on its citizens. Because they're surrounded by people and nations whose sole reason for living and breathing are to destroy them. To destroy them. Civilian casualties are the unfortunate, stark reality of war. It's horrific. It's ugly. It's bloody. But Hamas must be stopped. Evil has to be dealt with. It must be dealt with. You know, in the Old Testament, um, God sent his people to war at times. He sent his people to war to fight against evil nations. I, I'm sure you have as well. I sometimes cringe when I read some of the horrific descriptions of war described in my Bible. The ugly reality is that in this broken and sinful world, war is, in fact, sometimes necessary. And although it may be necessary, at the same time, it's never to be categorized as something good. I'm not saying it's good. It's not. And if we can ever avoid war, we should. But there are times when you can't. You just, you just can't. And for Israel, this is most certainly one of those times. But nonetheless... War, it it, it is a reality. And terrorist groups such as Hamas and Hezbollah or the Houthis or or, or 
people like Adolf Hitler, evil nations like Iran who are behind this, they make going to war unavoidable and at times a necessity in order to try and prevent even greater atrocities from being committed. Because this war is about good versus evil. And guess what? Israel is the good guy here. Not that Israel's perfect, nor is any nation for that matter. But you know, I don't think you have to be perfect to be the good guy, do you? So then the author went on to state that violence begets violence while claiming that the next generation of violence has all but, has all but been guaranteed uh, due to this war. Okay, but, <laughs> but, but I'm saying in spite of Israel's peacefulness, Israel's making an effort at constant restraint over the years. The violence through Hamas escalated, it escalated in a manner that has horrified and sickened an entire world. All right. This war has been a long time coming. It was inevitable. It really was. Well, what about negotiating? Because <laughs> some people live in a fairy tale world, world where you, they think, well, we can just talk. We'll talk it out. We'll, we'll come to a compromise. Well, no, no. That doesn't uh, work with an enemy who just, or their sole existence is to see you dead due to a sick, twisted, evil religious ideology. Um, but negotiating. If one reads the Hamas Charter, the Hamas Covenant, one wouldn't even ask the question because they've already answered it in Article 13 of the Covenant. I've read this before. I'm going to read it again. Hamas declares, and I quote, that peace initiatives and so-called peaceful solutions and international conferences are in contradiction to the principles of the Islamic resistance movement. Those conferences are no more than a means to appoint the infidels as arbitrators in the lands of Islam. And who is an infidel, by the way? Anyone who will not convert to Islam. All right. They say there's no solution for the Palestinian problem except by jihad. Initiatives, proposals, and international conferences are but a waste of time and exercise in futility, unquote. This was Article 13 of the Hamas Covenant. So to even suggest something such as a two-state solution, it's foolish. It's foolish to say the least because this is not a land dispute. It's not a land dispute. It's not a political dispute. It is an over 1,300-year-old sick, twisted, and evil religious ideology coming out of the religion of Islam. This ideology exists in hate. It breeds hate. It's an ideology that calls for the genocide of an entire people, the Jews. And it will not be content until it's carried out its mission. And because of this, Israel must not be content until they have carried out their mission. Look, in my opinion, it's foolish. It's foolish. It's uh, unreasonable to even suggest a ceasefire on Israel's part, because I don't know of a nation who's exercised a greater patience or restraint toward all their enemies that surround them, who time and time again inflict harm upon their citizens than the nation of Israel. They're a peaceful 
inclusive nation. They're tolerant. They're accepting, including the acceptance of those of Arab descent, Muslims, who live comfortably within their borders, and they reap the benefits of the nation of Israel. But in spite of it all, they're still continually targets of terror. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I I think, especially as Christians, we need to stand with Israel. We need to let them finally, and I think this nation, you know, um, needs to let them finally do what they need to do. If Israel decides on a ceasefire, it must be their decision, not the UN's, okay, not America, no other leader, no other nation. It has to be Israel's decision and their decision alone, not because of pressure from the international community. Look, the author said this. She said that, um, that man's justice fails and it is only a hope of justice from the skies in the nail-pierced hands of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, if there's any real hope to be found. She's right. Okay. I, I agree with the author there. Man's justice will never be perfect. Mm-mm. Only God is capable of perfect justice. And we know that here on this sinful earth, true peace is never going to be realized. It's not going to be realized until the Messiah, that's Jesus, until he returns in glory, executing his his perfect justice. So what do we do until then? Well, until then, we must do all we can to fight evil. We must pray against it. We, we must speak out against it. And sometimes, sometimes, unfortunately, tragically, we must go to war against it. And if we're not the ones who are physically, in, you know, involved in the war, we need to at least unequivocally stand with those who are going to war against it. Let's not let this divide us as a church, though. Again, educate, 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 educate ourselves so we can help to gently and lovingly but firmly <laughs> educate others. All right. Ignorance to me is no excuse. Ignorance of the history you know, there's a lot of anti-Semitic rhetoric coming out of the church. It's, it's disheartening. It's disheartening. The anti-Semitism is, in fact, straight out of the pit of hell. It have to be for people to actually support what happened on October 7th, to actually support terrorism. And one perfect example of the, the lack of objectivity or reason or rationale when it comes to supporting you know, to free Palestine, supporting Palestine, supporting Hamas. Again, look at the feminists <laughs> for Palestine or queers for Palestine, okay, the LGBTQ community. Um, that's the irony, okay? These are people that demand tolerance and demand inclusive inclusivity, which Israel very much offers. You want to talk about being welcomed with open arms there, feminists and... Um, LGBTQ community would be welcomed there in Israel, okay? Um, they're even welcomed here, although there's many of us who, who speak out against it. But the most trouble they're going to get from us is us telling them that, they're, that it's sinful, that it's wrong, you know, to repent, sharing the gospel with them, right? That's, that's the worst they're going to get from us. But 
if they step foot in Gaza or around any of those terrorists, if they found out that any of them were a homosexual or, or a transgender, well, they'd be going through what the, the Israelis went through on October 7th. They'd be dead. They would be, uh, I don't know, beheaded, lynched. They're, they're into lynching. They lynched a, a few of their own, actually, in Gaza. With much of the public, again, filming with cell phones and celebrating, they, they were suspected of possibly collaborating with Israel, so they lynched them. But um, the LGBTQ community and the like who are supporting this, who outright support, you know, well, first of all, if you're supporting what they call Palestine, you are supporting Hamas. You're supporting terrorism. You're supporting what happened on October 7th. But again, they are supporting the very people that hate them, the very people that would like to see them destroyed because of what they stand for, because of their sexual preference, because of their their uh, choice of gender, their, their transgenderism. That's the, the crazy, insane thinking. They're not thinking, honestly. They're not. It's, it's just a simple hatred. It's a demonic hatred of Jews. So that tells you just the thinking. Again, I sound like a broken record. Depraved thinking doesn't really operate in... Uh, reality, truth, and reason, unfortunately. It's it's futile thinking. So, oh dear. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of just my, my take on that um, post there because I'm seeing more and more that call for a ceasefire. You know, the, the, the idea behind it is that they don't want to see any more people suffering. Of course they don't. But there have been people suffering at the hands of Hamas for years. I mean, their own citizens, even those that elected them in, suffer at their hands. Um, not just the Israelis. And there's going to be more suffering at the hands of Hamas and, and groups like them in the rest of the world. So I understand on the surface, it seems like it would be nice, right? Oh, let's pause and let's try to compromise or work this out. Because there's, there's innocent people being killed, but not as many innocent as we think as we would like to think or hope, unfortunately. But no one wants to see innocent people hurt or killed. The uh, bright spot in all of this was that recently there were, as you know, several hostages released. So we're thanking the good Lord for that. Our Christmas tree is, <laughs> yeah, Chris, I don't know if I mentioned before, um, in lieu of ornaments this year, we put pictures of the hostages up on our Christmas tree, just in an effort to always have them before us in our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers, you know, to remind us to to pray for them amidst all of the hustle and bustle and the flurry of family activities and whatnot this Christmas season. We definitely didn't want to forget them at all. So it has been a nice visual reminder to have the pictures of the hostages there. Actually, our Christmas tree, I <laughs> My friend Jonathan Feldstein sent me a link to an article in the Israel 365 News, and our tree was in there, so that was pretty cool. And I think, um, actually, I'll share the link to that with you as well. The article was called Celebrating the Miracles of Christian Support for Israel This Hanukkah and was written by Jonathan Feldstein for a, an opinion article in the Israel 365 News. It, it was a great, wonderful, inspirational article, just uh, reading about all the support that the Jews are finding from Christians around the world. So it's a great read. I'll leave the link in the podcast show notes. 
But yes, it's we, you know, it was a joy to take down some of the pictures, the pictures of the hostages that were in fact released. For sure, our tree is a little thinner now in the way of pictures, but there's still a lot left there. We don't know what their fate is, whether they're alive, uh, what they're going through right now. So obviously, they still need our prayers. And you know, the ones that, that we did remove from the tree that were fortunate enough to go home still need our prayers as well, because some of them came home to the terrible news that they'd lost family members. And are the, they're, they're also dealing with the horrific, horrific trauma of what they went through. So yeah, they're home, but um, they're, they're going through a lot right now. So we need to keep them and their families in our prayers as well. Be that light in the darkness, be that candle, be that one little candle, which that one candle, just you, my friend, in your corner of the world can really make a huge difference. You know, educate yourself more so you can respond. Um, Prayer, of course, is the, the first and foremost thing. Pray engage, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to speak out, to take a stand. Don't get as nasty as they do, but you can still take a firm stance and speak the truth. Uh, But you got to know the truth in order to be able to speak it, right? You got to know what the myths are about Gaza and Israel um, and the, and the truth and watch where you're getting your, your news from. Again, I, I always highly recommend uh, Jonathan Feldstein, Genesis 1-2-3, Amir Sarfati, Behold Israel, and Tanani Naftali there on YouTube, Instagram, and Telegram. I like Telegram the most. So subscribe to Telegram and, and follow them. Keep in mind what's what's going on over there. You know, also on YouTube, I listen to um, TV7 Israel News. Every day they give an update on the war. Um, they talk to actual people involved in the war and experts, but um, it's it's an excellent news station. Actually, I think it's Christian because the um, the anchor of the news show referred to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So I did not know that, but it's 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 based in Jerusalem. So that's another good resource as well. Share with others um, the good things that the IDF is doing while this war is going on. And please be very careful of any pictures you see coming out of Gaza of um, wounded people or victims, especially children, because it's been found that some of these pictures and images are from another time, another place, have nothing to do with what's going on right now. Okay, a couple things I want to point you to before I go. And the first thing is Andrew Rappaport's rap report. That is, um, Andrew Rappaport is the head of the Christian podcast community, and his podcast is the Rap Report, R-A-P-P, report. And he recently had on as a guest Dr. Michael Brown. Dr. Michael Brown is a Christian, but he also has a Jewish background. He grew up in a conservative Jewish household. So he knows a lot about Israel. His passion is for Israel and for the Jewish people. He's authored several books and he has a radio show. I've subscribed to his email for quite some time now. I follow him because he's very, um, very educated, very outspoken on the subject of LGBTQ. And 
I'm pretty sure you've heard me. If you listen to me regularly, you've heard episodes on LGBTQ. And I have mentioned him in his book. I've pointed you toward that as a resource. His book, Can You Be Gay and Christian, is kind of like a, you could say a kind of a Bible (laughs) for me uh, when it comes to the subject of LGBTQ and Christianity. But yeah, he's authored many books. But Andrew had him on. I've only... I listened to half of it. I really need to. I want to listen to the other half yet. Some of the things they they cover are the significance of Israel, the the history of Israel, the history of the uh, Israel-Palestine conflict. They talk about the refugee crisis, um, you know, the government of Israel, the Middle East, and all, all kinds of other good things. So if you want to learn more about the situation in Israel, please have a listen to the RAP report with Andrew Rappaport and Dr. Michael Brown. I'll leave the link, of course, on my website in the podcast show notes. Also, Theology Throwdown, that is a monthly podcast by the Christian podcast community. Uh, several members of the Christian podcast community, I myself included on occasion, we get together and talk theology or things that may affect our daily walk or our faith or that are happening in the world. And the last two episodes we did were on Israel and the other one was on Christmas, Christmas traditions, um, what we may feel is right or wrong as far as celebrating Christmas as Christians. And so during these theology throwdowns, um, people come to the table with various opinions and we we talk about those. Sometimes we all agree on everything and sometimes we don't, but it's of course talked about and addressed with mutual respect for one another's beliefs. But I invite you to to check those two episodes out on the one on Israel and the one on Christmas. And you can find those on christianpodcastcommunity.org. Also, you can follow me on Instagram as One Little Candle Podcast. Not been very active on Instagram lately, but I have also opened a new Instagram account called Israel Fights for Humanity. That's the number four in there in the title, not the word for Israel Fights for Humanity. And I am sharing posts from Hanani Naftali and Amir uh, Sarfati and uh, Genesis One Two Three Foundation, the IDF. Any posts that I can get my hands on that will give some more insight and truths as to what is happening in Gaza, what's happening in in Israel. Again, this is a PR battle, a very important front that we have going on here. We need to get the truth about what is happening out there for people to see and and hear and read. So I decided to to, um, put out an Instagram account with that. We'll, We'll see how that goes. So yes, Israel Fights for Humanity at Instagram. You can follow me there as well. But Christmas time is approaching. It's just a few more days until Christmas. And I wish you, my friends, I wish you a happy, healthy, blessed Christmas. I pray that you get to have that time with your family, that you want time for your traditions that are important to you. But also remember, they are not the top priority here. Yeah, they're nice and they're, they're wonderful, but 
We also, while we're doing this, having a good time with our families and holiday parties and gatherings, there are people in other parts of the world, and not just Israel, but there are people in other parts of the world that are not as fortunate as we are and that are spending their, their Christmases a living hell, really. Let's keep them in mind. Let's keep them in our prayers. And let's, of course, always, as we should, keep the important reason for the season in mind. And that is the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ, the miracle of his incarnation and the life that he lived for us and the reason he came and that was to die. He became one of us and he dealt with the nonsense that we all deal with, except even on a greater level. I mean, look at what Jesus went through, right? But he came to die to give his life for us so that we may have a relationship with the Father. And so, so much to be thankful for, so much hope, no matter how dark it is out there, how dark this world seems, we have a lot to be thankful for. So please, let's keep that in mind. Let's never forget it this Christmas season. All right, my friends, thank you for listening. And until next time, you take care and God bless.